0: For us it kind of goes back to that great exposure kind of low tolerance graph and and for me in in a session in any one session it's just trying to get them to the next level of low tolerance
1: and i find that's very empowering so the big question is how can physical therapists create a successful career earning six figures or more and give patients the care they need without relying on insurance companies for reimbursement if you want to learn the answers to those questions and more, then you've come to the right place. My name is Dr. Aaron LeBauer, physical therapist, business coach, serial entrepreneur, and author of the Cash PT Blueprint. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, welcome back to the Cash PT Lunch Hour Podcast. This is your host, Aaron Labauer, And today, my special guest is Dave O'Sullivan, all the way from England. And uh, Dave has a successful physio business. He's also Uh, Trains other physios in treatment techniques and especially in telehealth as well. And so today I brought on Dave because, well, we've known each other for a while and it's just been a long time coming. And he reached out to me and said, Hey, Aaron, you know, here's some information. Love to, if this would help you. And I said, Hey, let's get on a podcast. So Dave and I are on a podcast. And so, Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, number one, It's pretty awesome to be able to get people on here from England and Australia and Canada, even when I'm living in North Carolina. So, you know, like, thanks to Zoom, we can do that. (laughs) That's it,
0: technology, yeah. It's it's gonna save us a lot in the the next few weeks.
1: I know, it is. So, um, Dave, I just wanna start, back a little bit how did you get into physio can you tell me a little bit about like how did you get started on the path of um, being a physio and you work for like I think the national rugby team can you just give us your brief overview
0: yeah so um, I'm obviously I'm I'm Irish um, by by birth, and when I was Kind of 18, and said, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Seen seen the physios on on the sports uh, TV, and it's like, oh, that that looks pretty good. And spent two years trying to get into physio in Ireland, and then came over to England in 2005 and um, studied physio in Huddersfield. Then um, my wife met my wife half a true. Two kids now, so I'm kind of in in England, whether I, whether I like it or not, but. <laughs> Kind of very fortunate to go straight into professional sport, I suppose, in in one regard. So I went straight in uh, from university to pro sports. I've worked in rugby league and and rugby union, which are kind of two variations of the codes for about 10 to nearly 12 years now, actually. And been fortunate to work with both national teams and and do two World Cups, actually, in, in Australia with the rugby league team. And Japan with uh, with the rugby union team last uh, last year. So, yeah, very fortunate to you know get to travel the world doing doing something that I that I love doing. And, and as you mentioned, I also have a private practice in in Huddersfield, which is kind of in between Manchester and and Leeds in the UK.
1: Okay, awesome. And so, just for perspective, even from my own, like number one sport in the UK is uh, probably football, right? Yeah. Is is rugby second, or is that cricket? Uh, good
0: question. I'd probably say they'd be similar. Yeah, rugby or cricket. Yeah. yeah, good question.
1: Is there anything else like in the top three? Like that you guys? Um,
0: rugby, cricket, netball is quite big with with, uh, with with females. And yeah, I'd, I'd say they're, they're the three big ones. Cricket, cricket, rugby, football.
1: Okay. I just want to give, because you know, majority of people who listen are Americans and they we play where, where our, our American football, base, uh, baseball, basketball, and uh, soccer is like this other thing that you <laughs> kind of do. Around here <laughs> that was my sport in, in high school was, uh, was soccer, so I played, or football, as you guys call it. But I wouldn't go. My grandfather played football in leather helmets, American football. I did soccer in high school. So I just, for a little perspective, so rugby's like big time, right? So what's the number, Right. Yeah, 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 be pretty big. Yeah. So what's the number one injury, what's the number one problem that people have, you know, when you are playing rugby? What are you doing?
0: Um, yeah, I suppose from, from a physio point of view, it's a dream in terms of your exposure to injuries. Sometimes not in a good way, but uh, when they're tricky. But we, we get to see everything is, is probably the honest answer. So, you know, from slap tears, lateral J's in the shoulder to syndesmosis in the ankle, MCLs, ACLs, disc issues in the neck, back. Tom's wrists, mm-hmm. you know, literally we, we see it all, um, you know, which is is good as I said from a physio point of view. Challenging, obviously sometimes with, with certain injuries, but uh, yeah, we, we get we get a lot of variety.
1: Yeah, more like impact injuries than overuse injuries. A bit, bit of both, to be honest. Um, you know,
0: we still get our hamstrings and our groins, and you know, um, quad tears, calf tears, Achilles issues. So it, a bit of both, to be honest. It, it, you, you kind of go through cycles where you won't see one MCL and you'll have three, and you know, you you. He kind of swings around the most freely.
1: Right, right. So, how did you get from rugby league physio to uh, owning a business? Was it like a natural thing Were you like, oh, this is like the next thing? Or was, did you always think you were going to do that? Or was there something? Yeah, new? I kind
0: of, I, I always had the vision of like be, having like this top sports injury clinic. You know, so when I was working with Leeds Ryan, I was straight out of uni. Um, I set up my clinic above a running shop you know, just paid rent as as i see seen people build up the word about reputation started train right. runners in Huddersfield uh, which is a nice one to, to start with your word spreads. And and just built it from there really, and obviously you know as you know yourself, you kind of you have this dream of, of having a sports injury clinic, and and the next thing you realise is that it's the fifty year old plus with, with back pain that's that's paying the mortgage. So you, <laughs> right. you kind of you, you quickly pivot, but um, yeah. So I mean we get we get the best of both worlds in the clinic, but the vast majority are are, are non sporting injuries, even though we're called pro sport physio.
1: Right, right. Yeah. And people always say, oh, I want to get in and work with athletes. I'm like, yeah, athletes are a pain in the butt and they don't pay the bills. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So you've been doing that for how, how long have you had that clinic? Uh, ten years now,
0: okay. um, just just coming up to ten years. So we're in we're in this uh, clinic uh, for about three years. So this is um, this is uh, obviously um, a little bit bigger now. We've got um, five treatment rooms, a yoga studio, kind of a personal mm-hmm. training um, studio. So kind of built it up through the years. Took on staff. You know, uh, lucky to have some really good staff with me, and um, and we've we've been able to build it up predominantly through word of mouth, and then obviously do do marketing and, and stuff to, to complement as you get bigger, which. That, that's all well and good. Obviously, it's a little bit scary times at, at the moment with the bigger wage bill. But um yeah, I suppose you, you take the good with the
1: bad. Yeah. So, what was the most challenging thing about building that clinic
0: for you? I think, to be honest, it was making it profitable. And I think it's really, you know, I kind of i got mesmerised with, with revenue, and it was only kind of when I started to focus on profit that I kind of started to see, okay, actually, um I need to run this business a little bit differently, and. I think a lot of that as well was my own discipline a lot of it was was kind of spending on on kind of what you're what you're spending on uh, silly things really when when you have a bit of cash flowing um i suppose i'm lucky now in this environment that we do have a little bit of cash not a lot but we have a bit of cash in the bank you know certainly for the next month or two to to kind of keep us keep us going you know
1: when you started looking at profit instead of revenue what what did you change besides just spend, Like, Was there something um, that, like number one thing that made a bigger difference or that you changed? It? Yeah, I, I think, I think it was
0: expenses to be honest. I think I was, I probably subscriptions, you know, when, when you look at your, your, your outgoings and, and you look at all the subscriptions you have and, and actually how much value they, they are and, and what you need to run a business. And, and even though, to be honest, I think, you know, in a way, I'm trying to look at this as a positive and go, right, what do I need to run this business essentially? And mm-hmm. and there's, you know, there's there's bits there that I, that I can cut. And, and, you know, even probably staff members, as, as bad as it sounds, you kind of look at them and go, actually, you know, to run this business essentially now on its bare bones to keep it alive, what do I actually need? And and you can kind of see, you know, am I getting enough value out of certain people? Um, so it's, it's a big, big opener. But I would say, yeah, it's, a, it's the spending as opposed to the, you know it's all seems to be about you know offense get more patients get more patients whereas sometimes you kind of you have patients it's the lifetime value of them or how many sessions they're having to Mm -hmm. to improve that side of it is um i think made a big difference as well actually kind of focusing on people that we did have rather than you know always spending to get more
1: yeah what's the one thing that you guys are doing with your patients to increase their lifetime value which is you know get them to buy more or do you know Right.
0: Yeah, so um, so that's kind of my I suppose USP if you will is um, is using the pro sport approach in private practice. Mm-hmm. So in professional sport, you know, a guy gets an injury, he he may or may not have a scan, but the first thing the coach wants to know is right, how long is he out for? And then the the first thing the athlete wants to know is right, what's my plan? What do I need to do to to hit these milestones and get back? Mm-hmm. So. So a lot of, I don't know what, it, what it's like in the US, but a lot of therapists in the UK, it's like a so patient comes in and it's like, okay, we just go session to session. And then, you know, the pain eases a little bit and then the, the patient, away the they go. Whereas what we try to do with, with the patient is we'll bring them in, we'll assess them, we'll sit them down, we we'll give them an honest opinion of, of how long we think it's going to take. And we would we'll actually map out a, a kind of a ghost plan you know, this is what's going to happen this week, this week, this week, we hit these milestones, then you get back running. So I try to give patients a lot of clarity in the first session. And then I find just like therapists, when, when, they have clarity. They can kind of understand why they're doing what they're doing. Then the adherence improves. The drop-offs decrease, and um, and obviously they get the result, which is is going to be massive for us for word of mouth and, and referring people to us. So kind of, you know, and, and obviously they come back to us again then because they're they're happy they got the result.
1: Yeah. So like their first visit, you're not really. It sounds like you're not concerned about fixing the problem, but getting buy-in, so the patients know what to expect and setting expectations, yeah. right?
0: Exactly, it's all about setting expectations in in the first session. And to be honest, I, I was a bit skeptical of that. And I bet some of your listeners like, oh, you know, the, my patients expect hands on, and, and they expect this, this, and this in the first session. And, and and I was a little bit skeptical when we made the decision to go like this. And, and what we found was a lot of our patients now they're even happier because. What they have is they've got a clear plan in place of what they need to do to get right. And I think we as therapists underestimate that a lot in terms of the, you know, i kind going of use the analogy if you're, well, if I'm in London and I'm trying to get to Huddersfield and I have no idea how to get out of London, but I'm trying to get to Huddersfield, it's, it's pretty daunting. Whereas if you, you plug the GPS in and you, you have that map to follow straight away, you relax a bit, don't you, in the car and, and you just follow the follow the map and I I think that's what happens a lot of patients is they they go away in the first session almost going oh god right this is what's up this is what I need to do there's finally light at at the end of the tunnel as opposed to kind of just you know trying to give them a quick fix and you know they feel okay leaving and then the pain comes back and and you kind of go on this on this roller coaster so yeah we that that's spot on what you just said we work really hard on setting expectations in, in the first session
1: Yeah. When you guys started doing that, what changed in your clinic? Like, was it, you know, was it on the numbers side, uh, for numbers of patients, visits, revenue, profit, something else?
0: Yeah, everything, to be honest, because, you know, if if you get that expectation, then obviously if you sell packages or you sell pre you know, prepaid treatment plans, then the person's a lot more confident that they know, you know, and, uh, or they, they belief in you as a therapist that that you're going to um, help them. So they're, they're much more likely to sign up to the packages, which means your lifetime value or your, your number of sessions per patient will increase hugely, um, which will decrease drop-offs, cancellations, all, all the silly stuff. So... I wouldn't say we're 100% on, you know, patients and packages, but we work very, very hard on trying to get people get the money out of the way in the first session. And then it's just right, let's just focus on on getting you better then, you know?
1: Yeah. The number one question I get from people, from other therapists, when I'm teaching them how to sell, you know, packages and programs is what happens if they get better before, you know, the eight visits that I recommended, you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, so what we do with that is we, we'll do a little drawing and I call it effective explanation, basically. So again, the definition of that, you know, in layman's terms would be we use stuff, we come down to the patient's level rather than trying to drag them up to us with, with pain science explanations and stuff like that. So one of the one of the drawings that I'll do is, you know, we, we'll kind of have 25% of the calf, the hamstring, the quad, the glutes, so we want everything to do its job, whereas... The middle drawing might have something like, you know, 15, 15, uh, maybe the quad's doing, doing a, a little bit more, that's doing maybe 40, and the, the glutes doing, doing 30. So what I'll do is I'll show the patient that. I'm making it sound a lot more complicated. The visual system obviously takes, takes care of this, but I'll just say, okay, so after three or four sessions, this is where we're going to be at, but can you still see there's a problem? And then they'll obviously be able to see there's still an overloading somewhere. So just because the pain's gone, doesn't necessarily mean your your balance, so to speak. So I make them answer that question, and um, and then they can kind of process that information in the first session. So then they kind of understand, okay, just because the pain's gone, we still have a little bit more work to do, and, and that's kind of the bit, you know, the resilience bit. And you know, I, I've got a little bit of a bugbear with therapists. I think we're, we're very good to talk about resilience and on Twitter and and all this about, you know, we need to build resilience for our patients, but actually therapists are afraid. To take that extra session or two when the pain's gone to build resilience, it's like, oh no, they can't afford it or this or that. And it's actually, well, if it's a pro athlete, just because the pain's gone does not mean he's going back training tomorrow. I need to run him. I need to make sure he's right before he he goes back training. Mm-hmm. um So yeah, so that that's that can be scary for therapists at the start, but once you kind of get used to it, um I think it helps a lot.
1: Yeah, that make, that makes a lot of sense. It's part of that expectation one of the things that we tell people is basically you know right when you feel like you don't need us is when phase three begins when our get stronger better faster phase begins right they think they don't need us and that's great that's and I I tell them it's like you're going to get to this point where you think you don't need me anymore and that's when next phase starts and they go oh yeah Dr. LeBauer said you know it's that expectation but yeah people can feel pain-free and still move like crap you know, and then they'll be back yeah. in six months or three months or something, right?
0: Yeah. And another one that we use that helps as well, actually, is, is we just do a graph. So mm-hmm. you know, just a linear graph and go right. This is where you're at now. This is running 10k. You know, this is the load yeah. tolerance that your your tissues need to, to take. I'm a big fan of drawing stick men, numbers. Yeah keeping it real simple so people can understand in their terms, you know, everyone knows statement, everyone knows numbers, yeah. and um, and just go, look, this is where we're at. Just because, you know, you're paying free doing, doing this movement in the gym doesn't mean you're, you know, you're, you can, you've earned the right to get to that yet. Right. Um, and they, they kind of tend, most of them, I'm not going to say everyone does, because you always have an outlier, but the vast majority, it works quite well.
1: Oh, that's great. So, Dave, you also train other physios in your treatment the treatment techniques and training and tell me a little bit more about like you started that uh, what a few years ago in 2015.
0: Yeah, right? uh nearly yeah, two 2015. Or so um so I was I was still working in professional sport and I said, right, you know,
1: um
0: I, I had a lot of therapists emailing me, you know, saying, Oh, can I shadow you? Can I do this? Can I do that? So I was like, Well, um, my second daughter was born at the time, so I was like, well, "I want to get out of pro sport full time." You know, mm-hmm. let, let's try this for a year until you know to certainly bridge the gap until I can get the, the clinic full time or I'm I'm in a full time. So, started that. Um, honestly, only thought I'd be in it for a couple of years, and it's um, it's taken off now. Where we've we've got over 350 therapists um, all over the world have gone through the mentorship, which is 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 really good. And um, you know, I started kind of teaching, you know, and it's a bit like patients as well. I started teaching, you know, hands-on techniques and rehab, you know, the stuff I use, but what I quickly realized is, is therapists need structure, just like patients need structure. And I think the USP for, for our mentorship now is it's the step-by-step system and the structure that that, that I teach as opposed to the the techniques. You know, I, I use um, various bits from, from, you know, a lot of American therapists, English therapists, you know, the kind of the best bits of everything i've just packaged it into a step-by-step structure now and i think that's the 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 value that therapists get first and foremost as opposed to you know are you just going to learn a few techniques it's right how can i take the patient safely from the bed all the way through to the high level rehab
1: right you know i think that's one thing that i was missing when i graduated from uh pt school was you know we had all these ideas but i didn't know like have a better idea about how to treat people or how to like run them through some kind of system. is that? And But then once I kind of figured that out, I was like, oh, here's the system, here's my before and after, and I can pretty much do this with most people. Is that something that you're giving people? Is that what you're giving as like a basic outline? Yeah. So, again,
0: for, for us, it kind of goes back to that greater exposure kind of low tolerance graph. And and for me, in, in a session, in any one session, it's just trying to get them to the next level of low tolerance and I find that's very empowering for a therapist because it it kind of takes away that urge to to try and do everything in one session, right. or you you kind of go like this. It gives you you know a ton of vision, but in a good way of right. I'm just focusing on this today to get you to here to allow you to get to here so that you can run. So again, you know, I'd never run an athlete without you know making sure they can do their hopping progressions and and not react negatively to that. Yeah. So you know, we we just follow that that you know it's. I'd like to think it's very common sense step-by-step program really of, of um, you know, just the, the next step is, is the next common, common uh, sense, logical progression. You
1: know, what's the key piece of your evaluation that you use to either get buy-in or get people to understand that Dave knows exactly where my problem is? Because, I mean, would you agree that's an important piece? But 100%, that? So what's that, yeah, what's that like, technique or question that you have that helps you do that?
0: Yeah, so we we'll we'll work very hard in the subjective assessment. So I look at their previous injuries, and then we'll do it just a generic assessment. You know, we, we'll take bits like toe touch, backward bend, side flexion. You know, three planes of motion, like Gary Gray, SFMA all kind of mixed in into one. And then I'll use a little bit of like um, submaximal uh, muscle loading and, and stuff like that. And what I try to do though in the explanation is we'll make it very specific to their story so i'll say okay you know when i'm explaining to them what i think the problem is obviously here's your your pain this is what i think is causing the problem which is very often above below somewhere else in the body but i'll I'll offer proof and i I think that's very very important is we we offer proof from what we've seen in the assessment so if there's something not quite right in the assessment i'll make the patient aware of that so i go you know, can you feel the difference left and right here? And then they'll say, yeah, or no, know. And I'll say, right, I'm going to come back to that later. Just remember that. And then I'll also, when we're explaining, I'll say to them, okay, so remember in the, in the examination when I said, you know, I asked you to do this and that felt a bit different. Well, I think that's contributing to put more pressure on your lower back because of that old ankle injury that you had in 2007 or 2008. That's why I think you're, you're moving like that. And very often you get that, oh, that makes sense. They, they kind of say that to you and, and you get that kind of, um, you know, that agreement, with, which I think is very powerful. So we, we try to, to make it specific and put it into their context of their life rather than just going, you know, you've got weak glutes, you, you've got this, you've got that. It's like, right, well, why do you have a weak glute? Like what's in your injury history? that's causing that group maybe to not do its job and and i think when they can make sense of it themselves there then it's almost as i said it goes back to that relief of ah so that's why you know when i do this i can't kind of feel feel this work no matter how many cruise band exercises i, I do or mm-hmm. whatever you know
1: yeah yeah well wow, that's awesome and then so when you started your kind of like this mentorship and training system it's is it Online is it? Do you guys do in-person workshops, weekend trainings? How is that working?
0: Yeah, so we we do. It's it's a twelve-week course um, online, and then you get lifetime access to that. And then um, we do kind of weekend courses as well. So um, at the moment, there in UK and Ireland, I am supposed to go to Australia because we, we've got a few tourists in Australia now. So I am supposed to go there in May. Uh, for my first ever one which is, is now put on the backbone. And then I was hoping to get over to I've got about five therapists in America doing it mm-hmm. at the moment. So I was hoping to get get over to America. Uh, the back end of the year, whether or not that'll uh, that'll come to fruition, you know, is is another story. But right. um, so yeah, so we, we do do kind of two day refresher courses as part of it as well, and that's where we just kind of come together for a weekend and, and just tune up the hands on and the assessments. And and to be honest, the first thing I do in in the, those sessions is the effective explanation. I work hard on on really getting the patients clarity and, and the therapist communicating that treatment plan to the patients. You know, I just can't can't emphasize enough how important that is. Yeah, and, um, and that's something in my own clinic that, that we work really hard with, with our own staff as well.
1: Awesome. Well, um, what was the big difference? Because you've got two businesses that there's two separate entities. You've got your clinic, and you've got your online, your your mentorship and training program. In starting these two businesses, what was the what was the biggest difference between the two and making sure like they were successful? Because there's it's different having like a clinic where you're doing a lot of more in person treatment versus a a training program where you're doing either one on many or, you know, online training, like what was the big like difference in getting them started?
0: Um, Yeah. Good question. I think, I think I needed a lot more online marketing knowledge and, and like, click funnels and, and, you know, all of these kind of stuff with the, with the online and, mm-hmm. you know, I cringe sometimes when I see some of my old website pages and stuff like that, but it's like, well, you know, it got us to kind of where we are today. But I think, I think that side of it was, you know, I, I kind of had a small reputation, you know, among my peers and stuff like that, but kind of putting yourself out there in front of a lot of people that don't know you, that's scary. yeah
1: I'm,
0: I'm getting a lot better being on front of a camera now. I, I'm sure you noticed. Know yourself but i used to hate going on camera you know talking you do 10 cuts of of the two minute clip whereas now i just get in i just do it i couldn't even care what what it sounded like it's just like yeah just get it out there right. um so so that, that 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 was a lot of uh, learning with the online stuff whereas the clinic side of it, it was always you know i kind of enjoyed you know having that one-to-one rapport with the patient and mm-hmm. I suppose your personality comes out a lot more in, in that side of it so I think that's a big contributor as well to you know more about referrals and, and and stuff like that um, initially
1: yeah was there was there a stumbling block you hit in one and not in the other in building or scaling it up
0: yeah yeah great question I mean it, it's so funny because both businesses I think I think one of the problems I had was I, I was almost trying to drag staff between the two. Uh-huh. It was only when I went right, I because I like I had everyone initially on payroll for the clinic. So when I was trying to build uh, the academy up, I was kind of like, everyone's on payroll on the clinic. And then the clinic was suffering and, and it was just a mess. Whereas when I went right, uh, the, the academy is, the pro sport academy is busy enough now to support itself. You know, your payroll's coming out of that clinic staff for there. That's when I was able to start getting profitable with both businesses and, and managing them both and looking at the expenses and, and, and the times. So yeah. I think that and, you know, even to kind of go back to your question, the clinic side at the moment, the sales is is a problem. We're getting loads of leads, mm-hmm. but the sales kind of process needs, needs a lot of work. Whereas the academy, we've got a very good salesperson. But the leads aren't as 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 much as as maybe we want, so it's kind of you've got a lead problem here and a sales problem here, um, and and you're, you're trying to you know you're you're trying to um, kind of figure that out. And you know, I'll be honest, I don't give as much time to the clinic now as, as I probably should do. I think now. It, it's only times like now where I go, shit! I, I need to spend some time and and, and invest in it. Now and you know, and, and I'm trying to stay positive And I nearly had a meltdown at the weekend with stress and stuff. But I think, you know, I'm seeing this as an opportunity—a six-week plus opportunity to to get all my staff trained, to get all my marketing done for the clinic, and and just you know have it ready to go when when we get we get running again.
1: Yeah. So just for everyone listening, as we're recording it, it's March. Thirtieth, <laughs> and yeah. you know, like so. Just for perspective, with what's going on with the coronavirus, and and I think you said you guys are about a week ahead of us. But just to kind of piggyback on what you're saying, I think I spent more time in the clinic last week working on my clinic than I have in six months. You know, it's yeah, just I'm like just you know, it's like all right, time to pivot, shift, make sure the yeah. clinic is. You know, like we're retaining, we're retaining uh, patients and revenue, and then we've got Plan B in place as soon as everyone has uh, time. And yeah, it's been kind of uh, interesting. Like, you know, like bouncing between the two, you know. Yeah, I said said the exact same
0: thing on, on my public Facebook page on Friday. I said I got more work done this week in the clinic than I have done in the last six months. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's frightening, and it kind of it really reinforces as well that that's your baby, and you know everything else is is kind of built on on that, really. Um, right. You know, and I always think that's the thing I can, you know, if this ever doesn't work out with the online, I'll always go back to the clinic and, and treat. You know, mm-hmm. forty hours a week again, which isn't necessarily what I want to do, but it's um, it's it's there if you know, God forbid, I needed to do it.
1: Right. So and so that brings me to like the one of the main reasons I wanted to hop on here is. What are you guys doing right now in your clinic to kind of transition patients through like to transition through this time and still generate revenue and profit like we talked about and this specifically like how are you utilizing telehealth in your in your business and your clinic and
0: yeah, so so it, it's interesting because we we're at a stage now where, and again, it's 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 really good for cash flow is that a lot of our ter- our sessions are packages. So we've had a lot of prepaid um, people mm-hmm. now. Interestingly, again, I, I'm sure you you um, you know, I, I presume you guys are, are doing it as well, and or you know, you you may be fans of it, but. Those people who are prepared, very little resistance in coming online um, to you know next sessions online. That's fine because again the money's out of the way. That that's great. So we're we're kind of delivering all those for the past week, um, but it's it's the the newer patients that are, are a little bit harder. And again, it's you know it's the no like and trust, and it's it's trying to get people over the skepticism of telehealth and the fact that you can get results with with just your hands. And I, I think there's two there's two kind of things there is the the therapist having confidence getting results without their hands and then the patient being skeptical that you can get results without, without your hands. So you're trying to communicate confidently and, and kind of overcome those those objections. So we're doing a lot of that on our blogs at the moment. So we're putting out a lot of blog content, you know, showing people how how online telehealth works. We're, we're showing them case studies of people, like screenshots of people doing it, just just to take the fear odd the, the unknown out of it, really. Um, and we're working hard with that. And I think as well, then, the other bit that, you know, I was mentioning to you is we're, we're trying to reduce the expenses at the moment. So, you know, we're trying to get just one therapist maybe to... To, to work a forty-hour week rather than having two or three on payroll until we can kind of get that lag of, of new patients coming in again. Um, so again, it's you're you're kind of you're managing the, the cash flow forecast, which is um, you know I, I've always been told about cash flow forecast. I'll be honest, I've never really done it properly, but uh, last weekend I thought one properly for the first time, and it's, uh, it's it's a powerful thing when when there's a little bit of pressure to to do one.
1: Yeah, sometimes it does it does take pressure to put you at your best some days. And I wouldn't I don't like the pressure, like the negative pressure, but some days yeah. that's what's gonna really like push us to do be better business owners and you know, survive out of this when people are just like sitting back and going, yeah. hands up, I'm giving up, right?
0: Yeah. And I think, I think it's hard. Like I, I did have a moment or two, like where I could feel the stress coming. because I was like, yeah. God, I'm going to have some difficult conversations with my staff on Monday and, and stuff. Whereas 19, you know, it's probably the 80, 20 rule, 80% of the time I'm positive And I just can't wait for this to pass now so that you can see actually, right. I could, I need to run my business like this. I need to have a cash flow and, you know, I need to do all these things and I need to run it you know, like, like there is a crisis, um, every week and, you know, it's, it's quite exciting in a way if we can get through this, how profitable your business will be when you can kind of see actually what, what you do need and versus what, you know, what you've kind of been telling yourself you needed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. So, I mean, are people coming to you, like into your clinic as one of the, one of the reasons they're coming, is it because you guys do hands-on work or is that part of your reputation?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely would have been before. So, like, we, we've got, like, five five thousand, five and a half thousand on our email list now, mm-hmm. like, past patients. So, a lot of our early patients would have been very, very hands-on. And then, obviously, as as the year has gone on, we've kind of adopted this approach. So, we're, we're kind of less hands-on. Hands-on-ish at the start, first few sessions. And then, as we... Yeah. We progress in it kind of you know the rehab takes over a lot more in sessions. Um, so yeah, it's just trying to get that skepticism um, out. And you know, for you guys who are probably a week behind us is just reaching out to your past patients. We we picked up, um, we put an email out saying, uh, how are you feeling? Name in the email browser, and just a quick five sentence email, just checking in. You know, we got nine responses from past patients saying, I think it was how are you feeling? Uh, the physios are doing blogs this week. Is there anything you're struggling? with um you know i want this content to be as specific as possible uh hit reply let me know and um mm-hmm. you know we got nine replies and a f- quite a few of them have, are coming in for like online uh, free or discovery sessions this week so they're just going to come in let them see what it, what it's like you know give them a bit of advice and then hopefully some of them will come on to, to kind of paid sessions on on the back of that so stuff stuff like that it, you know simple little things like that um you can you can definitely be doing as well
1: yeah, wow, that's powerful. So, Dave, what are you uh, doing in your clinic, and what are you teaching the physios in your mentorship about how to get like the same or similar, or even better results using telehealth, where you can't actually touch people?
0: Yeah, good question. So, so my kind of approach is rather than kind of isolating a muscle, it's right. Well, if an area of the body is sore, like let's say, for instance, the knee joint. Every time you stand up, well, let's get your calf, your hamstring and your your glute doing a bit more work so your knee doesn't have to, to overload as much. So something like doing a sit to stand, like a lot of patients will, will do a sit to stand pushing through the heel. Mm-hmm. So what I'll do is I'll go, right, instead of pushing through the heel this time, so I'll get them to do a sit to stand, I'll say, right, where do you feel that working? Okay, I feel it through my, my heel and my toes, right? Now what I want you to do is push through the midfoot where your laces are, squashing and orange. Then they'll do a sit to stand. That'll distribute the load through the gastro, the hamstring and the the glute and it'll Mm -hmm. it'll take take load off the knee. So I think those quick wins are powerful, are important and then that just gives you a little bit of time in the week then to go, again, set expectations. Go, look, this may come back a little bit but this is what I want you to do for the week. Then give them some, you know, stretches or whatever for the quad to desensitize those, and then let's get after the, the hamstring and gastro doing doing a bit more. So, because it's very compound movements and and, and subtle shifts of, of pressures in the foot and stuff like that, we could we can change the a pain experience quite quickly. And I'm a big believer in um in the role of the diaphragm, the pelvic floor, and breathing as well. So we integrate a lot of breathing work into um into our movements, our muscle mm-hmm. movements, which is brilliant for for decreasing pain as well. You know, because you, you get someone present,
1: right? So it's it's more about it's still about connecting with people, hearing their story, giving them hope, and changing their pain experience through different movements in our kind of our skill, like our skilled decision making, rather than just me touching them to do that, right? It, it,
0: exactly, and and I, you know, I put a, a post out the the other day, and I've kind of I've got eight pillars, um, and it's like right, subjective, objective, explanation, communication, slash. Uh, hands-on treatment, low-level rehab, high-level rehab, strength and conditioning, and like all those eight pillars, you know, I think there's something powerful that we as therapists give our patients mm-hmm. throughout the session, and I think a lot of therapists have the belief it's just this one pillar of hands-on treatment that, that makes the difference, whereas, as I said, you know, it's the reassurance, the communication, that little bit of just getting a and change in the way they're moving, you know, that, that all adds a lot of value to patients, and, and I think you know, therapists need to be careful about, you know, discounting their sessions too much yeah. Um, because they, they have a belief that actually, you know, what I'm delivering isn't as good because I, I can't use my hands.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I've heard that a ton. It's like, hey, <laughs> over the last week, it's like, oh, should I charge the same? How do I charge, you know, like, how do I not discount because um, because I'm not touching people because it's telehealth? Can you talk more about why we shouldn't be doing that and why we are still valuable even if I can't Actually, touch you?
0: Yeah, it it just goes back to value, and you know, I think what, what people really want, you know, deep down, is reassurance, and they want to know that they're going to be okay. And as I said, I think we deliver a lot of that, even without you know what you know, and, and you know, I don't want to get into research and stuff, but even what we do with our hands, like the research, it's all up in the air anyway. We don't really know why why it works. Mm-hmm. So all all we do know is that it that it works. So I think. A lot of, of what we do, I think, you know, the reassurance to the patient just going, look, you're going to be okay, do these exercises and, you know, it, it's going to help you a little bit. And, and I think a lot of patients, they need a leader, they need an authoritative figure and they, they need to be guided. And, you know, and we can always say, you know, we're not the hero, we're the guide, we, we guide the patient. And, you know, that that's what they're looking for. So for me, I think we, you know, you, you trained to be a therapist and, and the beauty of this is, I think, for therapists to have that multimodal approach, you know, you should be fine in this. I think it's the therapist that's that's very hands on is is the therapist obviously that, you know, when you come out of this, we probably need to have a look and go, actually, you know, what what do I need to do to kind of balance those those columns out a little bit? So right. And and look, even if, if it is a therapist doing, um, you know, that does predominantly hands-on, there's still a lot we can look at with movements, you know, touch your toes, backward bend, you know, these simple movements and, and just even talking patients through rehab and stretches like, you know, patients pay PTs, or what well, we call them PTs, like personal trainers. Mm-hmm. PTs are physios in, in the US. But um, personal trainers are a lot of money just to stand there and, and watch them do exercises. So, you know, and, and I know there's more to it than that. But, you know, so, so why aren't we valuing ourselves uh, just to, to coach a patient through rehab exercises? You know, so again, I don't want to be disrespectful to to personal trainers, but just saying that, but hopefully you get my my point.
1: Yeah, well, I do. I mean, 100%. And to me, like, I, I tell them, like, I know I'm not being disrespectful. And yet, as physios, we've given up a big segment of the population, and they're going to personal trainers anyways. And the personal trainer's like, well, I can try these things. There's this big gap, but we kind of ignore, as physios, I feel like we've allowed that to happen. Where we should be yeah. in control of, yeah, yeah, right,
0: and and that's that's a really interesting thing. And I, and I said this to my mentorship group uh, last week: is there's something pivotal going to happen in the marketing message in six weeks' time, and that is physiotherapy and physical therapy, it's going to be, by some, it's going to be seen as a luxury again. Mm. What's not going to be seen as a luxury is strengthening your immune system and, and really get your, your immune system up. And, you know, if you think of what we do as physical therapists, we get people active, we, we strengthen their their, their legs, and we make them healthy. Um, so we're doing the same thing, but the market message, I think, is going to change. And I think if we don't adapt to that, I think personal trainers are, are just going to go, right, well, let's get you fit and healthy. Whereas... Why, why can't we do that as as, um, as therapists? And I think that immune system, you know, immunization or whatever you want to call it, I, I think it's going to be um, critical in the next kind of six to six to eight weeks. We're we're doing a better breeding um, kind of challenge inside our patient Facebook group at the moment and and stuff like that. So I, I think you know as I said, I think you guys are probably just starting to, to come into you know closing down and stuff like that now. But I think that's going to be so important um, in the next few weeks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned uh, before the show that you've got a, a program coming up uh, for people to what, learn how to do telehealth visits or the treatment techniques that you're using through telehealth. Can you tell me a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, so, so obviously I've got my full mentorship program, which we, we kind of open the doors twice uh, twice a year for that. So obviously when when this happened, um, a lot of therapists were kind of saying to us, well, you know, I, I don't feel confident enough to, to do this without my hands. So what I've done is I've kind of splintered off um, a section of my mentorship and made it very specific to telehealth where I've just taken out the... Uh, the assessments that you can do, the, the rehab exercises that you can do that can give faster relief and, and stuff like that. And mm. I've just structured it in a way so that therapists can become confident in upper limb, lower limb, spine, cervical, and um, and take a patient through um, through a session from you know the, that initial assessment right through to you know the higher level rehab, even doing all the exercises in their house. So so put together that program, as I said, and um, instead of kind of doing it as a full mentorship, we're, we're doing a 30-day sprint really essentially. So the therapists come in and they work with myself and the team and, and really get their confidence uh, levels, um, not only to, to perform these um, sessions, but to get results for patients, working hard and keeping them on. We, we actually saw the package of, of 10 sessions, um, one of my therapists here in the clinic, uh, through telehealth last week, mm-hmm. You know, so so it can be done. And, and a lot of times you just need to see someone else doing it and you kind of go, actually, well, if they can do it, I can do it. Right. Um, so we're, we're supporting a lot of people in the community side of it that way as well. And um, and then, you know, just helping them with, with kind of, um, you know, keeping retention of patients and, and really focusing on their past patients, you know, the, the low-hanging fruit and, and getting them back in as well. Uh, that, that's kind of a big part of it as well.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Uh, the link for that, if someone wants to check it out, is that the – the go to physio.com forward slash telehealth link. Is that yeah, that telehealth. Yeah. So
0: by the by the I'll, I'll leave that page there. So by the time you're probably listeners get to that, it'll probably be um the, the page might say that it's closed, but if they put in your coupon code, then okay. we'll, we'll obviously get them, get them into the program, okay. uh, which I think is cash 100. Yeah, I think yeah. We, we'd put it up. So obviously, that will get uh, your listeners um, $100 off it um, as well, and then they, they can come in and, and start um, a little bit later if the, the timer is up by the time they, they get in. That's okay. no problem.
1: Awesome. And then if you happen to be listening to this in two years, I'm pretty sure they can just go to thegotophysio.com and probably find some of your other current resources, et cetera. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And if
0: they are interested, and I'll probably just send us a message and I mentioned that they, um, you know, they, they heard us on,
1: on the podcast. We will get them in, um, to, to whatever program we're doing. No problem. Okay. Awesome. Thanks. I'll just repeat that. It's called the go to physio with dot com forward slash telehealth, and then use the code cash 100 and, uh, Dave will uh, get you that telehealth course if you're um, interested in it um dave uh, thank you so much for that what uh what question didn't i ask you that you think would be helpful for our listeners
0: oh, i think we talked we talked some some pretty good stuff there yeah i think i think after mentoring maybe 350 therapists what's what's the one thing that i think is the the low-hanging fruit that, yeah. that can make a big difference to therapist confidence and i think it's it's really working hard on on structuring your, your flow almost from the subjective to the objective, to the hands-on, to the rehab, to the high-end rehab and, and seeing where that fits. And I, I think if you can work a little bit on that rather than worrying too much about, okay, I need to learn more hands-on techniques or I need to learn more rehab, but actually the flow of it, I think you get tremendous confidence as a therapist, which I mean, don't underestimate how that transfers through to the patient in terms of your authority and, you know, your, your self-belief, which, you know, without being cocky or anything. but I think that's very important for a patient then to say, right, this person knows what you're talking about, which gives them a lot of confidence to, to get a result. So I'm a big fan of authority and, and belief, you know, as a therapist and, and taking a leadership role. And for me, all of that seems to start with with the therapist having clarity on on that structured system. So... That's probably my biggest advice to, to therapists: is is really work hard. Whether it's with myself or whether you know you, you have something yourself, but you just need to refine it more. Is, is really think about that structure rather than just adding another tool to the to the system. Really, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's been that's been a lifesaver for me.
1: Yeah. So it's it's how to get people from one stage to the next seamlessly and getting the buy-in getting the treatment getting here's what all the next steps are. exactly and
0: and i think what you'll find there then is you're going to use a lot less hands-on you're going to use a lot less rehab exercises because the exercise is designed to get the person from one step to the next step as opposed to feeling like you need a hundred different exercises because you're, you're getting bored and you'll just streamline your your progressions and you know never get sick of doing the basics really well and i think a lot of my exercises, we just keep it very simple. It's it's that little shift from the heel to the midfoot that just gets other things firing and it. You know, it makes all the difference um, to to the patient, really.
1: Wow, that's awesome, Dave. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate you being here. uh, Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. If someone wants to um, check you out on social media, where do they find you? yeah um it's uh i think it's dave
0: o'sullivan's pro sport academy mm-hmm. so if you google out on facebook or instagram you'll, you'll pick us up and i'm sorry i don't know the links i'm on twitter as well um but i'm not that active not yet, at dave o'sullivan i think it's called sorry yeah. i'm a bad yeah. businessman um, but it's, it's something something like that dave o'sullivan's pro sport academy or the go to physio.com yeah. you'll 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 pick us up on that okay. as well
1: Perfect. Well, thanks so much, Dave. I really appreciate it. Keep rocking and rolling over there, and uh, we'll be looking to you guys to what's coming in the next few weeks. So, yeah, I hope,
0: I hope you all stay 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 safe, as I said, you know take that day to to kind of you know dust yourselves down, but. You know, take action, and um, as I said, it's um, you know th- there's a big opportunity to get a lot of stuff right. So I, I hope you uh, you stay safe, and um, and you all come out the other end of it as well, yeah. and and us
1: too. <laughs> I know. Well, thank you very much, all. This is the Cash PG Lunch Hour uh, with Aaron labauer and Dave O'Sullivan. Stay safe, take action, because there's an end in sight. And if you're still running and doing everything, you'll be on top. So see you guys on the next show. Hey, what's up, it's Aaron. Real quick, if you're just starting a cash-based physical therapy practice, or you already have one, and you wanna learn how to grow it and scale it, this is for you. I just released my brand new book, The Cash PT Blueprint, because I wanna get this book in the hands of every physical therapist out there. I wanna give it away to you for free. All I ask is that you pay a little bit of shipping and handling, and you'll not only get the steps to create your own cash practice, but the tools to grow it and scale it beyond what everyone else thinks is possible. To snag your copy right now, go to cashptblueprintbook.com. That's C A S H P T B L U E P R I N T B O O K.com. And we you get your copy, give me a shout out somewhere on social media, and we'll talk to you soon.